All right. Hey, happy 4th of July, everybody. Who's got big barbecue plans today? Anybody? Anybody got like meat on the smoker as we, like you're thinking about that meat more than anything else? It's okay if you are. That's a big deal in our house. So uh, we're all for smoked meats and um, it's a holiday weekend. So hopefully you have time with your family or some friends or something. Um, and, you, and, and you know, like Reese said, we are celebrating our independence, our freedom as a country. And uh our nation seems quite divided these days, but we still have a lot to be grateful for. And uh, I always take these holidays as a reminder to remember we should be praying for our nation and for our leaders, whether you voted for them or not. Uh, I believe that we're called to pray for our nation, and um, I'm not always that great at it. You know, it's not on my top list with other needs, and so sometimes it slips by for a while. But then like a Memorial Day or July 4th happens, and, and it's a great reminder that as Christians, we should not only be trying to win the world, but we should be praying for our leaders and for our country. And, and we have a ton to be thankful for. Uh, it's still way better to live in America than a lot of other countries. We do have a lot of freedoms, including religious freedom, that we can be really pumped about. But like Reese said, um, how much greater is our spiritual freedom uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, that we have, like we're saying, we have been, you know, the shackles have been you know, vanquished and we have freedom over death and hell forever because of Jesus. And like that's worth celebrating every day of the week and every Sunday. So uh, in case you have just joined us or you're new to church or, or just new to our church, uh, we want to be a church that just celebrates who God is and what he's done for us. We believe that through Jesus, we have eternal life, forgiveness of sins. It's worth celebrating. It brings us together and, and we're so excited. So we've been in this series called In Case You Just Joined Us, and really we're just looking at uh, what we believe as a church, where we see that in scripture, and then what does that mean? What does that matter? Why, why do we have a statement of faith on that? And so uh, hopefully this is a good review if you've heard it before. Maybe it gets you thinking. You don't feel bad if you're like, I've never considered that before. I'm not sure where I land on that. We, we want you to feel free to be yourself, to be here any week, every week. And uh, you can agree, you can disagree, you can be uncertain, you can ask tough questions, and it's all is welcome. So today we're going to talk about what we believe about baptism. Now, uh, some churches or faith traditions would talk about the seven sacraments, and we really believe that there's two, and we kind of use the word ordinance, just another fancy, smart-sounding word, uh, things that Jesus kind of commanded his followers, the church, to carry out. One of them is baptism. So that's what we're going to talk about. The long story short, in case you fall asleep in the next 15 or 20 minutes, baptism is a symbol of our salvation. It represents what we celebrate as Christians, kind of like all my different Cubs hats. You know, I got red Cubs hats and blue Cubs hats and black Cubs hats. But let me tell you, um, in, from 2012 to 2014, I was not nearly as excited to wear my Cubs hats. I don't know if you've been a, a lifelong Cubs fan like me. There were some real bad seasons, like last place after last place, losing 90 to 100 games, which is a lot. You know, that's a lot of losses in a, in a, you know, where the Yankees would like, they don't use, lose that many games in like three seasons. The Cubs could rack up that many losses, you know, in a month. And so I was just like, I, don't, I think I'm going to wear a different hat for now. Like, I, I still love the Cubs and all, but I don't know if I want want people to know that I love the Cubs. And then like 2015 happened and they started to get really good. And then like you couldn't find a Cubs hat at the store because everybody wanted to identify themselves as a Cubs fan. And that's really the picture that we see with baptism. It's something that identifies us as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, as someone who has put their faith in Jesus. And so we're going to look at what we believe as a church. I'll try to show you a few scriptures and, um, and we'll look at kind of what that means for us. So if you were on our website and you can read this 
this for yourself, and there's a whole bunch of uh, scripture references if you wanted to kind of look them all up. We're just going to show you a couple today. Uh, here's what we believe about baptism. We believe that Christian baptism is an act of obedience following a person's salvation. It is the immersion of a believer in water that testifies to of their faith in the, in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior and their union with him in death to sin and resurrection to a new life. Okay, and then a little bit more. It is also a sign of fellowship and identification with the visible body of Christ. Kind of like we talked about uh, the church, the capital C church is the group of believers for all time, and um, baptism is what kind of identifies you with that body. It's like putting on that Cubs hat. Baptism is not a saving act of grace, nor is it necessary for salvation. The New Testament biblical pattern is salvation then baptism and association with a local church, okay? Now, there's quite a bit there. I just want to hit some highlights for you. Maybe you're like, I totally get what this church believes about baptism. I've been baptized. I was baptized as part of Mission Bible Church, and and so hopefully this is a good review. Kind of what we said about the whole series is that any of these topics, if you feel like you're already convinced, you totally agree, I can sign on the dotted line, then hopefully this is just good uh, help for us to have everyday kind of regular dude conversations about theological, religious, churchy topics, right? Because we don't like to talk about Jesus in our workplace and God and the Bible and church and things like that. And so hopefully this helps you feel more comfortable to say, yeah, this is a regular conversation thing. I can speak to this. If you're not sure what you believe about baptism, or a lot of you might have come from different church traditions that, you know, you either did not understand or you understood to be different than what we believe, we'll kind of show you what we mean. So the first thing that is huge is baptism does not save you. Okay, Uh, I don't know if you were part of a church that believed that you could not go to heaven unless you were baptized. If that's the case, then you'd baptize everybody. Like if they fell asleep, you just baptize them just in case, right? Like, and if it didn't take you, baptize them again the next day. Uh, And this is why if you really believe this, you'll baptize babies as fast as you can possibly do it. Because what if, you know, something happens to them and and not only do you have to be baptized to go to heaven, um, if you're baptized, you get to go to heaven. You know, if that was the case, it would be so simple. You just walk around with buckets of water, dosing everybody and saving the world. But that's not what we believe. We do believe that Jesus said we should get baptized. He, he teaches about it. He actually was baptized himself and modeled that for us. But we don't think that it's a matter of salvation. We talked a lot about what it means to be rescued uh, a, a couple weeks ago. And we basically said it's as simple as believing that you're a sinner and accepting that Jesus is your savior. And um, we looked specifically at this verse in Ephesians. It says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and this, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And in verse nine, he says, not by works so that no one can boast. There, there's nothing that you can do to earn salvation, including be baptized. So if you get baptized, that doesn't make you a Christian. If you're a Christian and you get baptized, that doesn't make you like a super Christian or, or, or a better Christian. It doesn't add to your salvation. I don't think you'll get like extra rewards in heaven. It's kind of a confusing thing to talk about because we're, we're told to do it, but then like what's the repercussions if we don't? Like growing up, if your parents said you got to do this and you didn't do it, there was a penalty. With baptism, it's kind of easy to blow off because like, well, Jesus said so, but maybe that was just for people a long time ago. It's kind of weird now, you know, and it's easy to kind of say, I don't feel like it. I'm scared of it. I, you know, whatever part of it, I can put it off because I'm saved anyways. And, and you're right. We do believe that you are saved apart from baptism, but like we said, it is an act of obedience. 
Um, if that verse isn't convincing enough, think of the scene where Jesus is being crucified. And it says that he's up there with two thieves. Two other men are being crucified. The one is making fun of Jesus, and the other says, how dare you, you know, uh, make fun of and go in on this against the Son of God. And he's confessing his faith in Jesus. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Because they're both going to die that day. And Jesus knows he's as good as saved. The guy didn't hop down and get baptized real quick, right? He was unbaptized and still gets to go to heaven because uh, baptism is not what saves you. It's just part of the obedient steps of following Jesus. Now, the reason I think a lot of people feel that baptism is part of the equation is if you read the New Testament, over and over you'll see these phrases where it says, uh, and they believed and were baptized. Or in Acts, people ask Peter, what should we do? And he says, you should believe and be baptized. And so it's easy to read that and think, I have to believe and be baptized or I'm not saved. But really, what we see is a model of First, I believe, and that's all it takes to be saved. And because of that, I want to get baptized. I want to go public and be identified with Christ through baptism. And it was so automatic for them. It wasn't like they had to like memorize half the Bible or go to like all these you know meetings or anything like that. If you believe, you can get baptized. It was so quick. It was so simple. It was so automatic that he was like, "Dude, you just believe and be baptized." So in Acts chapter two, when like three thousand people accept Jesus on Pentecost. It says they were all, you know, believed and baptized. I mean, that they must have had a big tank. I don't know how they baptized 3,000 people in one day. I don't know who was counting that many people, you know, but um, they baptized 3,000 new believers, and they weren't saved because they were baptized, but it's easy to read those passages that talks about you should believe and be baptized, that he, he or she was believed and got baptized, and it, it sounds like it goes together, but we see uh, a difference in that you believe first, and then baptism is a celebration of that and um, a public expression of that. So baptism does not save you. Uh, the next thing is, baptism is an act of obedience for people who have decided to follow Jesus. This is the biggest difference, okay? This is why we don't baptize babies. We'll baptize you pretty young if you've decided to follow Jesus, but a baby doesn't have the cognitive ability to make that decision, you know? Until you're a certain age, and it's different for everybody, but until you can understand sin and appreciate God's grace and decide to give your life to him and follow him, uh, you're not saved. When you make that decision, then you qualify to get baptized. And then I, we would believe, we say that you should get baptized. And so uh, we see in scripture clearly that it's an act of obedience for people who have already put their faith in Jesus. It's interesting, one of our most... Um, celebrated passages in scripture we call the great commission so jesus really did live a perfect sinless life he really did die on the cross to have you know victory over death he really did rise from the dead he, he was raised to life on the third day and then he's hanging out with his disciples for a little while and before he ascends to heaven he gives his church all of his followers for all time this incredible mission to go and make more disciples and including he says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is, by the way, when we baptize people, we say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus said to do. That's how he did it, so that's how we do it, okay? And uh, in his command, he says, part of being a disciple is to be baptized and to baptize others. So go and make more disciples and then dunk them. That's part of what he told us to do. It's a step of obedience. If, if you're a Christian and you've put off being baptized, uh, I'm not going to try to convince you that, oh, you, you'll feel better, or and you might, but I mean, that's not promised in scripture. You'll, you'll have a bigger crown in heaven, or you'll be a super Christian. Or, it, it, it's just an act of obedience. 
And, and we'll see more than that, it's a, a step in relationship. And so um, we don't baptize babies, but we do what we call believer's baptism. There's no magical age to be old enough or, or too old. And, um, but if you believe in Jesus, then you can and you should be baptized. So it's an act of obedience for people who have decided to follow Jesus. The next thing is baptism is a symbol of salvation, okay? Now this is a, 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 there's a lot to this idea of uh, the ceremony of it and the symbolization of it, um, but just like think about the way we do baptism is like the full dunk, full immersion. So if you've, if you've been at our Manuka campus, and by the way, in September, we'll have our first Morris campus baptism service, so we'll probably have like a horse trough or something hokey, but either way, it's got enough water in it that you can totally be dunked, okay? Now, honestly, if you were like living in, in a desert community and like there's just not enough water, if you got to pour or sprinkle, we think the heart of it would please God. But as much as you've got the ability to get enough water to dunk, we believe that's literally what the word means, and that's how Jesus did it in the river, and so we, we think we should do the full immersion. But as you go underneath the water, it's this picture that you're in the, like, Jesus really did die and was put into a tomb, went to the grave, and really did rise. And this, this symbol is that you go under the water. We can't live underwater. It's this idea of being buried with Christ, but the, being raised to new life. Now, we don't believe that the, the water is magical and, like, you were a sinner and now you're washed clean. Like, it's a great symbol of the fact that Jesus washes us and, and by his blood we're declared righteous. Like, it's a great symbol of that, but it's not magical water. It, it's a symbol of that. It's this idea that we, we literally, our old self died with Jesus and just as he was raised to eternal life, we receive eternal life and we celebrate that. It's a great symbol. It's really an outward expression of an inward belief. It doesn't save you, but it shows the world and it shows our church because we like to do it as part of our regular worship service so everybody can be a part and cheer and encouraged by it. Uh, it shows the world that you have been saved. So uh, let me put these verses on the screen. In Romans chapter six, the apostle Paul is talking about sin and salvation and he can't help but use this idea of, well, you know, just like we baptize people, well, well here's kind of what that represents. Here's what that means. And he says in Romans chapter six, verse two, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. You know, it's this idea that your old self, your sinful self died. He, it, it's gone. We joined him in his death. Verse four, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I came back out of the water. He didn't stay in the grave. I didn't stay underneath the water. You know, like, I can only hold my breath for like 15 seconds. So I would die under the water if you didn't let me out. But we don't stay in the grave. We come out. We live this new life. In verse 5, since we have been united with him by his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. And that last verse is a promise. It's like, it's a symbol, but it's also a promise that when you put your faith in Jesus, it's for good. We, uh, we will be raised to life just as he was. If you're a believer in Jesus, you will die or be called home and you will be raised to new life. That's a promise for everyone who believes, okay? So baptism is this rich, ceremonious, symbolic representation of a spiritual truth, but it's already happened. You're already saved. You've already put your faith in Jesus and there's an outward expression of it. This next one is interesting, but baptism wasn't a churchy term. Okay, when, when Jesus said, let's get baptized, there was other 
uh, you know, gangs or groups or clubs or whatever they call them that would have baptism services. That it was pretty normal back then to be baptized, to be public with your identification with a certain group or a certain organization. So it wasn't that weird for the church. Fast forward to 2,000 years later, no one talks about being baptized except for in a church environment or religious ceremony. It's, it's a very churchy term, but it wasn't when he started it. In fact, it wasn't even like a, a, a religious word, okay? Um, I want to show you four pictures that kind of represent the idea of baptism. And the first, this is probably Pastor Errol and I's favorite, but it's the idea of baptizing a chip in salsa, okay? Because the actual root word for baptism in Greek that they wrote it and they used it, it wasn't like they, God invented this religious word that only the church could use. No, it was just a regular day word and it meant to dip or to dunk or to immerse. And so, you know, when you go home and celebrate the 4th of July with, I don't know, if you're eating chips and salsa, you can, I, I used to always joke with my youth groups, like, I'm going to baptize this chip. And they thought I was like this super religious guy. I'm like, no, it just means to dunk it because it tastes better with salsa on it, okay? And so it was not a churchy term. It meant to dip or to dunk. And so, they, you know, anything that you dip or dunk, and honestly, they would use the word when they were dyeing fabric. So if they want, you know, we just go to, you know, Walmart or Amazon and get ourselves a, a purple shirt. But if they wanted a purple shirt, they would have this, you know, fabric that they would need to dye. They would baptize it in like some purple dye. And it went in white and it came out purple. And it stayed that way. It was permanent. It was this incredible. So that's why uh, Jesus and the church kind of stole that word as this idea of us being baptized with Jesus into the family, the church of Jesus that we were dipped or dunked or to immerse, which is why we believe in doing the whole dunk, the full immersion of baptism. We think that's mostly what the word means and the way they would do it back then. You know, Jesus was baptized in a river and he didn't go in the river so they could dump water on his head. They just, they dunked him right in there. So um, it wasn't a churchy term. It means to dip and that's kind of what we do and why we do it that way. The second picture I want to show you is just of water. And if you study scripture or if you've read the Bible and you think about water from the Old Testament through the New Testament, there's story after story that involves water. And a lot of them are this idea of Jesus using water to judge the world of sin. Think about um, the flood, right? God looked down at the earth and it was so wicked and people were so far from him, he used water to destroy the world and, and sin and start afresh with a small family of believers. And so water is this scary but uh, God-sent thing. And um, think about the Israelites finally getting to the Jordan River to enter the promised land. The only thing that stood in their way was water. And so God does a miracle where the water stops and the people can pass through on dry ground and they build a you know, memorial to remember this amazing thing because there, there was water and water's scary and it was gonna stop us and God is bigger than that. In the New Testament, there's different things where Jesus is walking on water and he invites Peter to walk on the water and as long as he's focused on Jesus, it's not as scary, but when he gets distracted, he starts to sink and he would die out there and Jesus saves him and there's a time where they're uh, all afraid they're gonna die in a horrible storm in a boat and Jesus calms the wind and the waves, and, and he's showing his power through water over sin, over fear, and all these things. And this is a little bit of, uh, I think, why this water baptism is the symbol of death being arrested, death being done away with, us going through the grave and resurrection process with Jesus, because that's what happens to our souls when we put our faith in him, so that's what we symbolize with water. And water was scary, but God used it over and over to show that he was in control and that his people could trust him. 
You don't have to worry about the storm. If I wanted you dead, you'd be dead already. If I wanted to get to the other side of the lake, it'll happen. Just to prove myself, cease, be still. And everything was still. And he over and over shows his power that we can trust him despite our fear, despite sin, uh, through water. And baptism is people showing that they can trust that God's in control and they do it through water. The funny thing is, a lot of people are scared of being baptized. And it's all different reasons. Some people just don't like water. Some people don't want to be in front of a crowd. Some people are scared that they're going to have to talk in front of her. Like, uh, some people are embarrassed because people will sometimes say, oh, I've been a Christian for a long time. I should have got baptized a long time ago. Now I'm embarrassed. And don't, don't, by the way, don't let that stop you. In fact, the last time we did baptism, uh, there was a lady from our church who had been a Christian for a long time and said, you know what? I'm going to get baptized because I, I believe that I should. And we were so excited to celebrate with her, you know, and it wouldn't matter if she had gotten baptized 10 seconds after she was saved or 10 years or, or a hundred years. We just want to celebrate that, that awesome step of faith and that obedience to God and that step in a relationship. So uh, it's interesting that just like water is something people would be afraid of and God would use to show that he can be trusted and in control, even going through uh, the process of being baptized might be something that we're scared of or, or nervous about. And God says, but this is the whole idea that you can trust me and you're going to proclaim your faith in me. The next picture is of wedding rings. And um, I don't know about you guys, I have almost, I've never lost my wedding ring. I have to remind my wife of that because I've been very careless with it. I've nearly lost it dozens of times. I've literally had um, an army of friends going through a field in the middle of nowhere because I thought I dropped my ring there and uh, <laughs> I wasted all their time looking for my ring. One time at a Cubs game, now like I've been trying my hardest to gain weight for 17 years and the excuses to make my ring fit because it was always too, a little bit too big. And so I was at a Cubs game just, you know, clapping my guts out and my ring flew off and like we're in the upper deck all these people my brother ended up finding it like down several rows I don't know how he found it but like as many times as I've almost lost my ring I still got it so um Cherry doesn't appreciate how careless I am with it but I do remind her that it's still the original but if I did lose this ring I'd still be married right this ring doesn't make me a husband it represents my my wedding and, and my marriage. And you can get a new ring or you can live with no ring. You're still married. And the, the, the covenant and, and the commitment is still there. And that's really what baptism is as a symbol, that it represents a decision. It represents a commitment. It represents this idea of death and life and, and resurrection and life through Jesus. Um, but it's also more than just a symbol. Because it is, as a step of obedience, it's, it's a relational step with Jesus and with the church. You know, if I, if I decided certain, certain places, certain groups of people, I didn't want them to know I was married for whatever reason. So like, uh, you know, if I, if I forget my wedding ring for a couple of days, Cherry's like, you know, I forgive you. But if I was purposely leaving it because I was hanging out with some people and I was like, well, I don't want them to think I'm crazy. You know, like I, I organize my whole life around my wife. You know what I mean? I want them to know me as an individual, not, you know, like some goofy guy that really loves his wife with all of his heart, you know? So I'm going to make sure they, they know just me. If, if that's how I acted at certain places or with certain groups, you'd be like, you're a terrible husband, right? You're a terrible person. Like, where's your sense of commitment? How, you know, you just take that sucker off and fake that you're, you're still singles. And, and uh, it's the idea that it's, it's a symbol, but it's more than a symbol, that I'm showing constantly that I love my wife. I'm committed to my wife. I'm proud to show it. And not only does she appreciate seeing it, but people realize like, hey, that guy's yeah, not just hiding his ring. And so um, we try to do this with Jesus. That will say, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. I, I actually go to church and stuff, but I don't want to get 
baptized for whatever my reason. There's all kinds of different reasons that creep into our heads, but we put it off and, and we kind of argue with the spirit and we kind of think maybe I don't want to do that for now. And, and, and it's kind of like, well, who are you hiding this, this commitment from? How come you don't want to go public with this thing? Or why don't you want to let the church, our church, celebrate your faith, whether it's very new or you've been a Christian for a while, we want to celebrate that. Don't be hiding your ring, you know? And the reason we like to do baptisms with the whole church, you know, like it's not just like go home, dunk yourself in the tub and let us know about it. We, we want to clap for you. We want to celebrate what God is doing and has done in your life, that, that faith that you express. And so it's really a step of commitment with the church that it says this is how you're identified with Jesus and identified with his church, that you were going public to the world, but specifically to our church family. And so that's why we like to do baptisms with everybody to be able to clap, to be encouraged that, man, we love when we get to see someone being baptized, whether they're six or they're 60, we praise God for the miracle he's done to give them eternal life. And we praise God for their faith to follow in obedience. And so if that's a step that you need to take, we would love to talk with you about that. And uh, we don't want to beat you up or guilt trip you, but we do think it's as simple as if you believe in Jesus, then you should get baptized and and commit to him and commit to his church in that way. Uh, It's an identification with Jesus and with his family. The last picture is of training wheels. And um, this was my son learning how to ride. This is a lie. That's not Kyler. That's a hand-me-down bike, and Kyler's name was still on it. But um, And safety first, so we put a batter's helmet on his head um, because you don't want to get hit by a pitch while you're riding a bike. So... Anyway, but the picture is of training wheels, right? Like you might have learned how to ride a bike with training wheels or maybe you're a parent and you put training wheels on your kid's bike and you didn't do it so that they would love training wheels and, you know, ride forever. You did it so it would help them learn to love riding the bike and eventually take the training wheels off. And in a, in a similar way, baptism is like a training ground for boldness. We're called to be bold about our faith, about our commitment, to, to share our faith with the world. And there's no easier training wheels environment than in a room with a lot of other Christians who are going to cheer you on and clap for you and praise God for what he's done in your life. It's like a training wheel moment that in a safe family environment, I can go public with my faith and practice boldness so that on Monday or Tuesday at school or at work or wherever I go, I can grow in this boldness. I'm so glad that Abram learned to ride his bike without his training wheel. It's way better for him now. But that was a safe, you know, batter's helmet and all environment for him to learn in. And that's just one piece of how we do baptism and why, because we want to all practice growing in the idea of being bold about our faith. And so it's a simple way to practice proclaiming Jesus's work in your life and to be celebrated. That The first sound you'll hear as the water is coming out of your ears is people screaming and cheering and clapping for what God's doing and, and encouraging you in that decision and in that relationship. And that's why we celebrate as a family. You know, we all celebrated when Abram learned how to ride his bike. He was pumped about it, but we were proud of him. It's the same thing as Christians take those steps of proclaiming their faith in Jesus. So um, there's a real simple takeaway. If you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, I want to challenge you to think about being baptized. You know, Jesus commanded us to do it. Jesus himself was baptized. You can read in Matthew chapter three, he goes down to the river and like John, the, uh, you know, 
John the Baptist. They named him that because he was so good at it, I guess. He's baptizing people. Jesus gets in line. It's kind of a funny story because, you know, Jesus walks up and John's like, whoa, you know, I, I can't, you're Jesus, you're God. I, I don't think I can, I'm allowed. In fact, you should just rebaptize me. We got this backwards. And Jesus is like, nope, this is how it should be. I think it's he wanted to not just tell us we should be baptized, but he himself participated in that, modeling that for us. And so um, not only should we do it, we, we can't wait to celebrate with you. So uh, I just want to challenge you. I don't want to strong arm you or guilt trip you. If you're someone who's a believer in Jesus and you've already been baptized, that's awesome. And um, I hope that that was a training wheel for you to continue to boldly share your faith and be public with your commitment to God and to the family of God. Uh, If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, then baptism isn't for you. But we hope that you will come to a moment where you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, that you recognize he can and will forgive you for your sins and you turn your entire life over to him. But if you've made that decision and you haven't yet been baptized, I want to challenge you to consider that, to think about that. And we do have a baptism service coming up on Sunday, September 12th. It'll be our very first Morris baptism. It'll be awesome. And so uh, I don't know if that's for you or someone you know. I don't know how many people will baptize that day, but we'll, we'll take all believers who are interested. So if you're a brand new Christian or you're a crazy old Christian or anywhere in between, um, here's how you can find out more information or even sign up. You can go to our website, missionbible.church slash baptism, and uh, it might answer some of your questions, but there's also a form you can sign up for. We do a quick little baptism class, and uh, we capture on video your testimony, because really, when people get baptized as part of our church, we want people to hear their story, Uh, but we know that Nobody likes to stand on stage and talk. So you can just do that in a safe environment and then we'll, we'll put that together. If you've been a part of our mission church baptisms at our Manuka campus, you kind of know how that goes. And it's really exciting to be encouraged by other people's story. And your story, no matter how fascinating or boring, is encouraging because it's God's story in your life and we want you to be able to share that. So uh, you can go to missionbible.church slash baptism. Or if you've got the Church Center app on your phone, uh, the Church Center app's a great way not only to check in, to give, but you can register for events and things and, and like baptism. So you can sign up that way and find information. If you're just like, I need to talk about it first and you, you want to reach out to me or grab one of your friends, we would love to talk with you. Again, it's not to guilt trip you, but we celebrate it like Jesus said we should, and it's a great part of joining the family. And so if that's where you're at, we would love to help you be baptized on September 12th, okay? So that's the idea of what baptism is, why we do it the way we do it, where we see that in scripture, and really why it matters to us. So wherever that sits with you, uh, I just want to pray as we wrap up, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts as he wishes as we surrender. So uh, as we pray, if you want, you can put your hands like this. And this is just a simple uh, posture position of saying, I'm open to whatever you have for me, God. So whether you're a a baptized believer or not yet baptized believer, uh, we just expect the Holy Spirit to speak. And this is just a simple physical way to show that. So Heavenly Father, um, thank you for a holiday weekend. Thank you for an extra day off work or whatever we've got going. And I pray uh, that we'll have a lot of fun that you keep us safe, that you give us good times with our friends and family. God, more important than our freedom as a country, we celebrate and we thank you for our freedom as forgiven sinners, that we have eternal life and we praise you for that. And so Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you would, you would speak to me. We invite you to speak to each of us as you wish. If, if, if uh, you have something for us, we pray that you'd lay it on our hearts. Give us ears to hear 
We want to be people who faithfully follow you. And God, if there's anyone in the room who is just sensing your spirit, say, yeah, maybe you you should think about that. Maybe you should talk about that. Maybe you should sign up for that. I pray that you would help them to do that. We can't wait to celebrate. God, you are at work in people's lives. You are changing the face of eternity one soul at a time. You've asked us to be a part of that. We are so excited to celebrate life change uh, in your name and for your glory. So I pray that you will go with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. We will see you guys next week. Have a great holiday.